This is an AMI podcast. This is an AMI podcast. Hey there, this is Kelly McDonald, co-host of Kelly and Company on AMI-audio. On our show, we talk about the events and happenings that are relevant to the blind and partially sighted community across Canada. With the help of our regional contributors, we'll keep you up to date on what's happening in your community so you don't miss out. So give Kelly and Company a try and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Are you ready? Let's go. From AMI Central. Now circling in the neutral zone. Here's the pitch on the way. 36 yards for the win. This. Here comes a big chance. The shot is. Is this the dagger? The neutral zone. Oh, oh my God. This is as good as it gets. Now, here's your host, two-time Paralympian, Brock Richardson. What's going on, folks? It's another edition of The Neutral Zone. I am indeed your host, Brock Richardson, coming to you from Kitchener, as always. And coming to you is Josh Watson. Josh, how are you? I am good, Brock. How are you? I'm pretty good. Pretty good. Put a little uh, little fresh coat of paint on the intro and sounding great. Uh, love when we get to change that up every once in a while. So sounds good. And also joining us is... Cam Jenkins. Cam, how are you? I'm doing good as well, Brock. Uh, it's good to be back on the show. Yes, it's been a little while since you have been in attendance, and we always love having everyone on the program, and it will be a good one today. Let's start with the um, Twitter poll from last week. Uh, if Giannis Attentacumpo from the Milwaukee Bucks does get traded this offseason, where will he go? Your options were... A, Toronto, which had 44%, B, Miami, which had 44%, and C, other, which had 12%. Thoughts on the result? Cameron, do you agree? You know what? From the rumors from, you know, ESPN and kind of the insiders that are uh, good, um, I would say that, yeah, I think he's going to either go to uh, Miami or Toronto would be probably the top two. I think uh, Dallas also would be a dark horse as well, uh, just because of their cap space and the uh, team that they have. I think that would be another fit for uh, Jonas as well. Josh, surprised by these results? Not necessarily surprised. I think that people would love to see him traded and if Toronto could get him I think all the Raptor fans like myself would be happy um, I could also see him going to Miami but I I still stick with what I said uh, in the poll and last week which is that I I just don't see him being traded I think Milwaukee will need too much in order to let him go so we will see what happens and and clearly my opinion was in the minority this week so that's okay too This week's Twitter poll question uh, spawned by the one and only Josh Watson is, which sport is the weirdest sport to watch with no fans? Your options are A, baseball, B, NFL, C, a combination of hockey and or basketball. Josh, since this was inspired by you, what say you? For me, I think it's of the choices we have, the NFL. And I'll give you my reason briefly. It's because I remember watching the Saints game last weekend. Uh, They're down in New Orleans, of course. And 
I just remember seeing the Superdome empty and thinking how how jarring and how strange that looked because it is always a loud building. It's always a raucous building. The fans are just, just amazing down there. And there were no fans. It was very, very strange. The one that is kind of off the board and not an option this week, but probably deserves an honorable mention for me is the UFC because where you normally have screaming fans and, and everything going on, you now get to hear everything going on in the fight from what the corners are saying to the actual sound of the, the blows landing. So that's, that's a bit of a strange one as well. Cameron, quick thoughts on this week's poll from you. I did the poll and I said baseball uh, just because you're used to seeing so many fans. It's what, 40,000 fans in the stadium minimum. Um, so I, I chose baseball, but saying that I don't really watch a lot of the NFL. So um, if I did, I probably would have gone with the NFL as well. That is definitely all valid points. It's time to get into our headlines for this week. In a move that can only be described as, you know, better late than never, Major League Baseball will be having their postseason in a bubble. Ed Donahue has the details. In an attempt to limit spread of the coronavirus, the bubble will be the new home of the Texas Rangers, Globe Life Park near Dallas. This would be the first time the World Series was played entirely at one site since 1944. Two teams from St. Louis played that year. There will be playoff matchups in bubbles, too, at Globe Life Park, Petco Park in San Diego, as well as Dodger Stadium in Los Angeles and Minute Maid Park in Houston. Players on teams in mathematical contention for the playoffs will start a transition quarantine period away from family and friends next week before going into the bubble. I'm Ed Donahue. The New York Mets baseball club will be under a new ownership. Billionaire hedge fund manager Steve Cohen says, I am excited to have reached an agreement with the Wilpon and Katz families to purchase the New York Mets. Terms of the deal were not announced, but if at least 23 of baseball's 30 team owners approve the sale and the U.S. record for the most money spent to buy a sports team, the nearly $2.3 billion David Tepper spent on the NFL's Carolina Panthers could be topped. This is Cohen's second attempt to buy the Mets. He spent $40 million on an 8% limited partnership in 2012. His bid beat out another offer from a group that included Jennifer Lopez and Alex Rodriguez. Brian Clark, ABC News, New York. The Toronto Raptors have given Nick Nurse a multi-year extension. The, he has one year left on his deal, which means this will um, come into effect at the end of next season. I think this is a really good decision for the Toronto Raptors. Nick Nurse has proven himself to be uh, the winningest coach in Toronto Raptors history. Now it's a question of, do we see President Masai Ujiri also get signed in the near future? The Stanley Cup final has been set. The Tampa Bay Lightning will face the Dallas Stars for the right to lift the Stanley Cup. The International Ice Hockey Federation has announced that they will host the 2021 World Junior Hockey Championships in the Edmonton bubble. This tournament is set to begin on December 26, 2020. And as always, we're looking forward to Team Canada and uh, hopefully they will have a uh, fantastic tournament. Always a good uh, tournament, certainly, to have. 
Those are your headlines uh, for this week. Coming up on today's show, we're going to speak to Joshua Roberto, who is an athlete in the sport of athletics. He's a visually impaired runner. And we're also going to speak to Cairo Betting, head coach of Blind Tennis in BC. And, of course, we're going to chat all things mainstream sports in the final segment of the show. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. You're listening to The Neutral Zone. I'm Brock Richardson. And welcome back to the Neutral Zone AMI broadcast booth. And we are set to get this ball game underway. The first pitch brought to you by Brock Richardson's Twitter account at NeutralZoneBR. First pitch, strike. And hey, gang, why not strike up a Twitter conversation with Brett Wills from the Neutral Zone? Find him at Neutral Zone Brett. Swinging a chopper to second base right at CP Buchanan 13. Claire picks up the ball, throws it over to first base for a routine out. And fans, there is nothing routine about connecting with Cam and Josh from the Neutral Zone. At Neutral Zone, Cam J and at J Watson 200. Now that's a winning combination. And this organ interlude is brought to you by AMI-audio on Twitter. Get in touch with the Neutral Zone. Type in at AMI-audio. You know, as I listened to that uh, Twitter promo, I, it dawned on me, hey, I'm the one that's always being retired, and uh, Claire is uh, retiring me during that promo. I don't know if that's a good sign or a bad sign, but it certainly is uh, a really good promo, and it's an easy way to get a hold of us here at AMI and the Neutral Zone, of course. Joining us now is uh, Joshua Roberto, who is a athletics athlete and uh josh welcome to the program happy to have you along with us hello how are you pretty well thanks joshua can you maybe first start off by telling us how you became involved with para athletics yes um when i was about uh, 10 years old um i had uh, double retina detachments and um that lasted for about uh, two or three years because I had multiple surgeries on my retina. And then um, I always liked running um, in elementary school. And then when I went um, to high school in grade nine, um, I, um, with my friend, we went to the cross-country uh, practice. And then um, ever since then, I met my friend Justin White and some other seniors uh, at the practice. And I just fell in love with the sport, and ever since then, um, I just fell in love with the sport and went on from there. Now, in your chosen events, you have the ability to run with a guide and without, depending on the circumstance. Can you tell us yeah. some of the pros and cons of, of running with and without a guide in, in your events? Yes. Well, for, uh, for track and field, um, I don't need a guide because my vision is I can see enough to where uh, I can see the lines and the people around me. But when it comes to cross-country and we're in the trails, I can't see the roots or the rocks or anything like that. So that's when uh, I use a guide. 
yeah, so that's, yeah. And as I understand, but, uh, oh, sorry, go ahead. Okay. And the pros and cons about it is it helps a lot when you have, like, a, a, a bond in, like, a relationship and you know your, your guide really well and you're able to connect with your guide and he's able to understand what type of things you need to be called out. But, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> And as I understand, you run the 400, 800, and cross-country. Now, out of all yeah. the events you could have chosen from, why did you chose those three? Uh, well, recently, um, I've always liked the, the 800 meter. I'm always more of like a longer-distance guy, and like cross-country. But I always liked the 800, and the 400 was recent, actually. I always started doing it about a year or two ago when I was introduced to it by um, my coach, uh, Craig Blackman, and he got me into it. I've only ever raced it about three times, and I was in hopes to uh, qualify for Tokyo 2020 because that was the only event that was available in Tokyo for para, and it didn't have 800 meters, so I went down to the 400 in hopes to potentially qualify. That's fantastic. For those yeah. that might be unsure about what cross-country actually is, can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yes. So cross-country uh, is an event where it's usually a longer-type distance event, around usually around 5 kilometers or more, maybe depending on if you do it in high school. Uh, there's different, different uh, distances depending on your, your age. Um, but cross country is where you, you go, you run in the forest or like a trail and there's different like obstacle obstacles. There's like hills that could be there or, um, rocks and different like gradients. Um, cause I like cross country too, because every, every course is completely different. So there's a lot of, uh, mental, mental toughness to do with cross country because some courses could have a really, really steep hill, and other courses could be flat but have a lot of rocks and roots. So it's really uh, good for your mental toughness. We're joined by Joshua Roberto. You're listening to The Neutral Zone on AMI. I'm your host, Brock Richardson. So, Joshua, you've had a lot of success at OFSA in the 800-meter race and the cross-country can you tell us maybe a little bit about why you have so much success at awesome meets? And is there a difference um, between the awesome meets and any other meets that you do? Yeah. So um, prior to the awesome meets, I put in a lot of, lot of hard training and work. And, you know, when ASA, when you qualify for ASA, it's a really uh, special moment. So you want to uh, do your best because that's, like, the best you can do in high school. And I, it always comes down to the training, because if, if you're prepared for the race, then everything else will take care of itself. And I always try and do my best and just prioritize and not worry about what happened prior to me qualifying, because 
what's important is focusing on your race and your event and not worrying about whatever's, whatever's going on around you. And it just takes a lot of guts. Now, just out of curiosity, why should people get involved in the sport of athletics, Joshua? Um, they should get involved because it's good for not just your physical well-being, but uh, mental. Um, it looks, you, uh, looks something for you to get involved in. Um, I always like going to practice because I look forward to not just running, but the social aspect with my teammates and my coaches. It's just um, a really good, like, positive thing to do. Coping skills as well is really good for your mental um, it's a very good stress reliever, not just for running, but any any athletic sport. Now, you were talking about the mental part of it. Um, do you do any training uh, just to do with um, the mental side of things? Yes, I do. Sometimes um, I practice doing um, visual, like mental um, practicing. So before a race, I visualize my me like during the 800 meters for example i visualize mentally me running going through each quarter of 800 so like the first 200 and 400 and so on and i visualize how it's going to go and just more focus on my breathing and my strides and making sure not to get caught up in the, what's going on in the excitement and just to really settle down and hone into my training that I put in towards that event and just not get carried away. So, Joshua, what does uh, Ontario blind sports mean to you uh, throughout the years that you've been uh, part of them? It's really great because it's not not people with disabilities think there's like no hope for anything. And with uh, OBSA, there is a gateway that shows you that, that there is things out there that can help you, especially with sports. And this is really great to have that program and something out there for people with disabilities of all kinds. And what's the ultimate goal for you with athletics? Like if you could, you know, paint a picture and say, you know, four years, where would you like to be with athletics? Well, I would like to be, hopefully, um, training to go to the Olympics or Paralympics and ultimately, hopefully, uh, winning gold and just knowing that I put all my hard work and being able to qualify for, for example, Tokyo or any other Olympics, in that, any other Olympics, and just being able to know that I put all my hard work has paid off. And have you been doing training during the pandemic to kind of keep yourself, you know, on track, both mentally and physically? Yes. The, in the beginning of the pandemic, it was kind of hard and rough mentally, uh, and lack of motivation. And then nearing uh, April or May, um, I, got, I got pushed through it and kept training. And ultimately, I've been getting more better in shape and hopefully uh, doing well in my meets I have. Actually, I have a, a race in Brampton tomorrow. Oh, yes. So where, where, 
where in Brampton will you be racing? You want to tell us a little bit about that? Um, I forget where it's called. It's, I think it's called um, uh, Monarch. Is it no. Chinkuzi Park? Yeah, Chinkuzi Park, yeah. Yeah, and so is it a bigger competition or is it kind of a smaller one? Um, I believe it's like a, a smaller tape meet, but it's uh, really looking forward to it because I haven't really gotten many races since the pandemic happened. And a lot of races I would have in usually June or July and August have been pushed back to later in the month. So I'm just looking forward to it and to see where, what I can do. Well, Josh, best of luck to you uh, tomorrow, especially, but you. with your uh, future goals as well. Thank you. You're very welcome. That was Joshua Roberto joining us to tell us about his athletic career and also tell us that he's going to be competing tomorrow for the first time since the pandemic. Yeah, After Rob, the just break, a quick uh, question on that. I do know that um, Chincuzi Park is the Cruiser Classic, so if anyone wants to go out there, they get out there by 9 or 10 o'clock tomorrow morning in Brampton at Chincuzi Park, they can uh, go and watch it. Very, very good information, and Cruisers Cup all our Cruisers do such a wonderful job with events like that. So definitely go check it out. Coming up after the break, we're going to talk to Cairo Cairo Beat Breeting, a tennis coach in the blind and low vision world. So we'll be right back with that. Stay with us. You're listening to the Neutral Zone. Welcome back to the Neutral Zone on AMI-audio. I'm your host, Brock Richardson, joined by Cam Jenkins and Josh Watson. We're going to do a little bit of uh, swapping for this segment. We're going to talk a little mainstream sports. So, guys, there's been a lot that has gone on. And uh, the first thing I want to discuss is the fact that the, um, the Toronto Raptors season kind of ended earlier than everyone um, expected and we got a um, contract extension from Nick Nurse which is a multi-year deal and by the way I still can't find out how many years is considered multi it just keeps coming up multi-year deal we have heard from Masai Ujiri but of course no uh, contract extension there either uh, Cameron I know you have some thoughts as to the reason why you believe there is no extension for Masai, but there was an extension for Nick. Yeah, absolutely. At the end of the day, he wants to make sure that everybody that uh, he wants there to make sure that they get paid or get their contract first, and then he'll worry about his afterwards. At the end of the day, I also think 
Um, he is such a huge proponent of social justice and change. Um, so I think he wants to be able to um, use his voice for change in the world as well. So if he's able to be the president of uh, the Raptors and still be able to, um, you know, uh, make change in the world, I think that he will become or he'll stay the president of the Raptors, uh, saying that um, because of especially what, uh, he went through and the video afterwards where the security person was shoving him and it wasn't the other way around as it was first um, said. Uh, I, I think that's really affected him in the whole Black Lives Matter movement. So, you know what, it really wouldn't surprise me if he ended up um, not being the president of the Raptors and moving on, maybe still with being with MLSC in some other capacity or, you know, like, he has friends like Justin Trudeau, uh, like Obama, so maybe he'll get into politics and maybe try to change the world that way as well. So um, so we'll see what happens. Josh, um, Cameron really uh, illustrated that really well. What kind of Toronto Raptors team would this look like without someone like Masai Ujiri at the helm? That's kind of a tough question for me to answer um, because I think the Raptors are going to try their very best to keep him, or at least MLSE will try to keep him as president of the Raptors. I mean, at the end of the day, I suppose if you keep Bobby Webster, he's technically the general manager, so maybe the team won't really be that affected day to day, but... I just think when you have a presence like Masai in the front office, it can't help but draw people to your organization and and just make it that much better. I really hope we haven't seen the last of Masai, but if he chooses to move on to bigger and better things, as, as Cameron so rightly illustrated there, then that wouldn't surprise me either, and I'd be happy for him to pursue whatever he wants to pursue out of out of life and uh, time in or out of basketball. Yeah, he definitely is that uh, voice. Uh, well, he's that known name in, in Toronto. Um, question for you, Cam, and then we'll move on to talking about what is actually happening on the courts uh, right now. Do you think... Oh, we may have lost Cam... Do you think, think Josh? Oh, you are you are, you are here. We can hear you. Um, do you Excellent. think that Masai has the best chance in landing big free agents? Maybe such as, and I'm just picking a name out of the air, but like Giannis Antetokounmpo, as I say that very tongue in cheek. Uh, absolutely, I think he is the guy the general manager where he is so respected around the league and that he can almost, uh, you know, get a conversation or sit in a room with any free agent um, where that hasn't always been the case with the Raptors. So uh, he is a, he is the Raptors as far as I'm concerned. Um, and I certainly hope he does stay. Let's uh, move on to discuss the uh, series that is already going on and the one that will be going on in the West. Anyway, let's start in the East. 
Um, Miami Heat versus the Boston Celtics. Miami is up 2 nothing in that series. Uh, overall thoughts, start with you on this one, Josh. I don't mind seeing Boston get their tails handed to them, to be quite honest. I think that Boston plays far too physical a brand of basketball. It's it's not something I enjoy. I like watching the, the crisp shots and the the technical play. I don't necessarily like watching guys tripping guys and putting elbows into guys and <laughs> and just just some of the antics that went on. And I think Boston's brand of basketball is why Toronto had so much trouble with them in their series. Um, I'm happy to see Bam Adebayo doing what he's doing. That block he had to end game one, I think it was, was just absolutely amazing. I, I, I loved it, but uh, I, I don't for a second believe that Miami is going to sweep Boston. I think Boston's going to get their act together, especially after what went on in the locker room after game two. And I think we're going to see a series, but it just it might not be a seven game series like it was against the Raptors. Cam, you know it's going to be a great series uh, for the both of them. At the end of the day, um, Celtics they're going to at least win a game uh, with what they have, um, you know, because they played against the Raptors and they had great defense, and I think that's going to come to the forefront again is have great defense and. You know, you know, they'll get the buckets uh, when they need to as well. So, yeah, I, I think that they're definitely going to get some points. Uh, they're going to win a couple of games, but uh, I, I don't know if the Celtics are going to win it, but we'll certainly uh, soon find out. I I never thought I would say this, gentlemen, but I am really happy for Jimmy Butler. I think Jimmy Butler is in a situation where he can succeed he is succeeding. I mean, the way he played against the uh, Bucks was just unbelievable. He took them on his back and said, we're going to go to the next round. And really, he, he's actually in this series kind of sharing the ball around. They're, they're pulling a little bit of uh, Nick Nurse with defensive schemes, changing them up on the fly. I don't see that as much with Brad Stevens. I think Brad Stevens is kind of... Uh, in this series, as opposed to the Toronto Raptors series, it's kind of stuck in his, his, you know, this is what I'm going with. I've seen a lot of zone defense. I've seen a lot of man-to-man. But you don't see him just deciding, I'm going to throw people in a blender and see what comes out. That's the difference I'm seeing in this series, Josh. I agree, absolutely. The The Celtics just don't seem to have an answer for what Miami is throwing at them. And I wasn't a big Jimmy Butler fan, but I think you're right. I think he's in a great uh, scenario right now in Miami where he is the guy and where he's got Adebayo on his, on his hip ready to, to help him out and, and carry this team. And I just, I'm really impressed with what they've managed to do because at the beginning of the season, I thought that, he was actually going to be disruptive to the team and that Miami wasn't going to do very much of anything. So I'm, I'm quite impressed. And Hey, if you want to take the Celtics out, go for it. Yeah. I, 
I really was looking forward to this series and I and I and I am looking forward to it, but I just want to see the Celtics play a little bit better and I'm not saying they're playing they're playing uh, uh terribly, but they're not making the same shots that they were making in the series against uh, the Raptors and I mean maybe it's because uh Miami is learning a little bit from the Toronto Raptors and chasing them off the, the, the three-point line because that corner three for them, all series for for uh, Toronto and Boston was really good. I just sort of see that um, falling apart a little bit, Cam. Yeah, and, you know, just kind of taking a look at uh, the players and what they're contributing, um, you know, with the Heat, I think a lot of it comes down to Dragic as well. Um, he had a line of uh, three rebounds, five assists, and 25 points, and that's uh, very well spread out. Uh, and even though they won, um, Butler, he only had four rebounds, and I'm used to Butler seeing a lot more from him um, as far as rebounds go. And then, you know, like it's kind of nicely spread out for the Celtics, but you know, like it's only 20 points or 20 points. You didn't have that um, game from any individual player from the Celtics like you did against the Raptors where, you know, someone went off or in the high 20s or early 30s. So I think you're going to need a game like that from uh, maybe it's Tatum or maybe it's uh, Brown, um, but somebody's got to step up here uh, for the Celtics and have a big game in order to be able to beat the Miami Heat, I'm thinking. I'm a big yeah. uh, Eric Eric Spolster guy, and I and I really like uh, what what Eric Spolster's done with this team, and and I think it's up to Brad. The ball's in Brad Stevens' court, pardon the uh, pun, but the ball's in in Brad Stevens' court to make the adjustment. Josh, you were going to say? Yeah, I was just going to say if we're going to look to a, a Celtic to step up from what we heard coming out of the the locker room the other night, it sounds like maybe it'll be Marcus Smart. Uh, he seemed to have the most um, fiery reaction to what was going on. Uh, he seemed to be the catalyst for a lot of the, the in-locker room antics, if you want to call them that. But I agree with you. When Spolstra got hired in, uh, I believe it was Miami, he was hired around the time that LeBron uh, joined the Heat. And you kind of went, yeah, okay, all he has to do is say, okay, LeBron, what do you want to do? But what he's proving now that LeBron is gone is that he's a more than capable coach. And, yeah, he he may coach his team into uh, an NBA final, and that would be pretty amazing considering that Jimmy Butler is your probably biggest star. Yeah, and the thing about uh, LeBron James is that he he really has that voice. I mean, he was uh, the reason that Cleveland coach uh, David Blatch got fired because LeBron said, I'm not dealing with that anymore, and I'm really glad that, uh, that Eric Spolstra and the Miami uh, team really um, kept with him because – it's proving to go well. I do want to switch over to the Western Conference, but before we switch over to the series itself, I, I want to talk a little bit about the um, L.A. Clippers, who were the heavy favorites 
to to win the NBA championship along with the Lakers. They were eliminated, um, and some of their players came out this week and said, "Well, it 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 it's a process. It's this. It's that." When at the beginning of the year, everyone was kind of like, "We're all in now." What uh, say you guys about the LA Clippers? Are you surprised, Cam? Um. You know what? I didn't like the complaining after uh, they lost um, or the excuses to say, well, we it was only the first year and we weren't able to kind of jive and, you know, um, mesh together. Well, last year with the Raptors, he came in. Uh, there was a bunch of players that just kind of meshed and they had the whole year to do it, just like the Clippers did. So, you know what? That's a lot of excuses as to why the Clippers didn't go on. Um, they just lost to a better team uh, in the Denver Nuggets and a good Canadian boy, Jamal Murray. And that's what it comes down to as far as I'm concerned. How good of a series uh, will this be um, for the, the the Denver Nuggets? I mean, they've come back twice now from a, a 3-1 uh, deficit. And do you think they have it in them against LeBron James and company, Josh? I hope so. I love rooting for underdogs, and Denver is probably the biggest underdog left, um, if you don't count Miami. Um, So I would love to see it. I don't know if you can rely on Murray and, uh, and his other half so to speak whose name escapes me right now but i mean at the end of the day you're taking on lebron and anthony davis Jokic, that's the other name for, thank you uh, yes the one you're looking for i was drawing the same blank and i'm like yeah it's uh i can picture funny, a big it, white guy yeah, big yeah. white guy yeah <laughs> yeah 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 so i i would love to, yeah for sure i would love to see it but I can't shake the fact that you're going up against LeBron and Anthony Davis. And unlike the Clippers, who I think we saw when they got to the bubble, had some issues gelling and and getting together. And during the portion of the season that we actually did play before the pandemic, I'm sure we saw a lot of injuries for the Clippers. LeBron and Davis have been together as far as I know, the entire season. Um, I, I just don't think they're going to be easily pushed away. So I think Denver is going to give them a series. Would I love it if they pulled it out? Absolutely. But I got to go with my gut and say the Lakers are going to win that series, unfortunately. At some point, though, for me, I feel like uh, Jamal Murray and Jokic are going to run out of gas, Cam, and I think this is a series you might see it, as Josh alluded. Well, you know what? Biggest thing for me is who's going to guard Jokic? Um, That's the biggest thing for me, because I think he's going to carve up the Lakers at the end of the day. That's actually a very good point. uh, It's very fair, yeah. uh, Definitely is hard to cover, so it'll be very interesting. That series uh, gets going uh, tonight at 9 p.m. Eastern. We're going to take a break and we're going to continue the uh, sports chat. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the Toronto Blue Jays. Cameron has some pretty strong feelings on the Toronto Blue Jays. We'll get those right after the break here on the Neutral Zone on AMI Audio and Voices for Ability. We'll be right back. 
If you want to leave a message for the Neutral Zone, call now. 1-866-509-4545. And don't forget to give us permission to use your message on the air. Let's get ready to leave a voicemail. Speaking of that voicemail... We actually have a voicemail from Philip. Let's hear a little bit from Philip. Hey, Brock. uh, This is um, Philip Sartre from Clear New Brunswick, the blind musical artist from Clear New Brunswick who who loves sports. And uh, it's too bad that uh, the Raptors uh, have lost, you know. But, you know, in my humble opinion, I think think it was uh, too much for them to handle. So on that note, let's uh, see you later. Well, those are uh, very interesting thoughts, uh, gentlemen. Do you agree, just before we move on, do you agree that this was uh, too much for the Toronto Raptors to handle with the Boston Celtics? Josh? From a stylistic standpoint, yes. I I think he's right on there. Um, As I said earlier, Boston has a very physical style of basketball that they want to play, and I just don't think the Raptors were equipped to handle it, unfortunately. Cam? If you have Pascal Siakam even playing uh, to half of what uh, you're used to, they would have beat the Boston Celtics probably even before seven games at the end of the day. Fortunately, it's just a learning curve for uh, Pascal Siakam. And, you know, uh, get him next year. That is totally fair. Uh, Josh, before we move on to the Toronto Blue Jays, you wanted to... uh, address uh, Kawhi Leonard's uh, comments about the Toronto Raptors. Yeah, I was a little surprised by these these comments that have come out uh, saying that basically Kawhi chose to leave the Raptors because they weren't good enough. Um, you won a championship with them, so I, I don't understand where that mindset is coming from to be quite honest i mean did they need someone like him in order to win that championship absolutely you can't win a championship all by yourself so i i was just i was quite surprised and kind of taken aback by it and i wondered what you gentlemen thought yeah i'm i'm kind of surprised as well um to be honest like there was a whole different conversation uh regarding Kawhi and whether or not the reason he left Toronto was more based on the fact that he wanted to go home. And then those comments surfaced and I ended up thinking to myself, huh? Okay, I don't get it. And to your point, I don't know how much better you can be than to win an NBA championship. Sure, was it perfect? No. Did anyone ever expect it to be perfect? surely not and uh you know i think that's where it is and it's it's funny that you know after struggling with the la clippers these are the comments that come out post that so it's interesting cam i'll give you a couple of comments there before we move on to major league baseball fair enough uh with Kawhi leonard um 
I think he just wanted a big name, um, and that's what he got in Paul George. But uh, hopefully what this teaches everybody is is that it's a team effort at the end of the day. And that's why the Toronto Raptors won. Um, There might have been a lot uh, on him in order to help win it, but it's a team effort at the end of the day. And, um, you know, uh, good luck to him uh, where he is, uh, and thanks for helping us win the championship. Absolutely. That that was uh, pretty pretty quickly said in the sense of, okay, that's your feeling. Thanks for helping us win a championship. Best of luck. So very well said. Um, we're moving to a team that has hopes and aspirations to uh, win a championship. And we have seen one of the strangest week, well, three games set uh, against the New York Yankees. They've almost come back to life, the New York Yankees. The Blue Jays got swept uh, three in a row today. They take on uh, the Philadelphia Phillies in a doubleheader. Um, uh, Gentlemen, thoughts on what you've seen of the Toronto Blue Jays just over the past three games? Cam, start with you. I know you got strong thoughts on this one. Oh, what to say, what to say. Um, I think everyone that is uh, watching the Blue Jays needs a stiff drink this year. Um, <laughs> it's just like in the three games against the Yankees, that's where they've got to learn to be able to um, be a playoff team or to be not bullied. And they got so many home runs hit against them that I lost count. I can't count that high. And apparently it's the most in a series in Major League Baseball history or something like that. Like, can the starters go longer? Like, why are you uh, putting in the um, relievers? Uh, Maybe you should just leave the starters in maybe a little bit longer, even if they are getting pounded, because you've got to get some relief for uh, the relievers, no pun intended. Um, I just, like I said before, in countless shows, Montoya, I just don't know if he's the right manager for the Blue Jays. You know, um, I, about a month ago, I was ready to come on this show and uh, have a battle with you about um, Charlie Montoya and come to his defense. And it's getting really hard for me to come to his defense. I think... He's a good manager. He has some good qualities. I have no idea why Derek Fisher was in in the field uh, the other night. You surely would have had uh, better options. I know he's young. I get it. Um, But you're in the middle of a playoff run, uh, and I know there's been injuries. I get that, too. I just think his decision-making is not going well, Josh. Yeah, I was going to ask you, is it strange or did we just watch bad baseball? I mean, there's there's an article from Sporting News yesterday, and to, to Cam's point, the Yankees hit 19 home runs against the Blue Jays. Like, that is just, that is just not good at all. And as Cam said, the, the bullpen needs a break. Um uh, the Derek Fisher, I've I've been worried about having Derek Fisher on this team since the first game he played with us, where he had a similar incident, where he lost a ball and it 
it fell in front of him or it hit him or or something i can't even remember what happened but it hit him it, it hit him it, yeah. it, i i thought it did i i wanted to give him the benefit of the doubt but no it hit him what and i want to know I just, Mm-hmm. What I want to know is, Derek Fisher, when did he go from a guard from the Los Angeles Lakers over to the Blue Jays in the outfield? That's a very good question. <laughs> that's fair. That's that's a fair question. And, I mean, I, 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 hate, I hate to be sitting here, you know, being so negative on, on Derek Fisher, but that first ball, the second one that he kind of, you know, gave, gave up on, afraid. okay, I can, I can sort of give him a pass, but the first one... I mean, you've heard all over sports radio that there's a lot of personalities that could could make that catch. And I've been asked, do I think I can make the catch? No, but that's for a whole other reason, folks. I just <laughs> I just don't. But at the end of the day, I think the Blue Jays really need to get their act together. And am I expecting them to win a World Series? No, I'd like to see them get into the playoffs and get a little more experience, Cam. Absolutely. And it's time of year now where there's only a couple of weeks left and you've got to put your best players in that are going to win you the ball games. And, you know, um, you don't have to worry or you can't worry about a person's feelings at this point in time. It's all about the playoffs. Can I add one thing in really quick, if you don't mind, uh, Brock? Yep. 30 seconds is good. We just talked about uh, Montoyo and the job he's doing. At the end of the day, guys, we have to remember, it's the players that play the game. Yes, Montoyo makes the decisions of who goes out into the field. I understand that. He does own that. But Derek Fisher's got to catch those balls. Yeah, that I agree with you 100% on. But at the end of the day, for me, the biggest part that I'm seeing of Charlie Montoyo is the pulling relievers, as Cam are pulling uh, starters and relievers for that matter earlier than he should. And that's the scary part. Like I said, they have a doubleheader today against the Phillies followed by uh, two more in the series. And then they go on and they play the Yankees and then finish the season with the Baltimore Orioles quick, quick. Yes or no. Do they make the playoffs, Josh? Yes or no. Quickly. Yes. They better. Cam, do they? That's fair enough. And thankfully, the teams behind them have also been losing. So that's helpful as well. That is the end of our show. I'd like to thank Josh Watson, Cam Jenkins. Our technical producer is Matt Agnew. Our technical supervisor is Paula Deneen. And our manager of AMI-audio is Andy Frank. Tune in next week because you just never know what happens when you enter the neutral zone. Be safe and have a great weekend. We'll talk to you next week. This was an AMI podcast. For more accessible media, visit AMI.ca.